lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. Greetings. Welcome to another special evergreen edition of the Steve Day Show. That would be me alongside Aaron McIntyre and, of course, Todd Erzin. And then there's all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. You can do that by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also follow us, like us on MeWe Parlor Gab and at Steve Day Show on Getter. Look for me, Steve Dace, on MeWe Parlor and Gab. Look for Steve Dace Show on Getter. So, of course, if it's a special evergreen edition, that means we are not here live. Hopefully, though, it does mean we are still alive, but you never know. Nevertheless, we are going to continue a series we started. Maybe you've already had a chance to watch. Our What If series. We're going to unveil that topic here in a moment. But let's set the scene again, shall we, gentlemen, of how this works. For these, uh, for this series of what-if evergreens, we are taking an event that has happened in the recent past, so, you know, the last decade or so, um, sometime this century. Let, let's make it, it's had to have happened in the 21st century. How's that? Yep. Okay. Because then, you know, the technology and stuff we have, if we tried to claim it was like 1988, it would look weird, right? Okay. So if we say it's within this century, then at least some of this it lo- at least looks like it belongs. Fair? Yes. Because we don't know when you're going to watch this. I mean, you might watch it a week after we do this, you know, because I get hit by a bus. You might watch it like next year because Aaron has this, Aaron and Bella decide to have another kid. We don't know. All right. We're, we're taping this in 2022. And who knows if even within this calendar year, you will actually see this event, okay? So the way that what if works is we take a moment that we think matters, something in the recent history, something that happened here in the 21st century, and then we flip it on its, on its ear. What happened if it had gone the other way? And then how would those events have played out? But before we get to that, a reminder about our friends over at Jace Medical. Do not let them let's go Brandon the medical supply like they've let's go Brandon everything else. Don't let your household health be outsourced to the Shycoms, which we've let create curate about 80% of the world's antibiotics. That's why we have an amoxicillin shortage right now. Our friends at Jace Medical can do something about that. Get the Jace case. It's a pack of five different courses of antibiotics, including amoxicillin, that can treat a long list of infections and illnesses so that your family is prepared for the next time they try to not let you have a venerable medication that might save you or someone you love's life. Get the Jace case right now. Go to Jace Medical, J as in jump, as in jump at this, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com right now and use code DACE10 for $10 off. Code DACE10 for $10 off when you go to jacemedical.com. Do it now. So now it kind of feels like we're kind of veterans at this, right? We've got one of these already in the books. We're about to do round two. Are you feeling more confident now than you were before the first one there, Erzin? Oh, I'm excited, particularly about this one. I, I, we had a lot of fun doing the other one. I was a little uncertain going in, but I think we uh, pulled it off, although I'm not necessarily certain how many lessons were gleaned. I, I think this one may blow our minds. What do you think, Aaron? I'm kind of with Todd. The, the, the last one that we did, it was further back and just kind of from a, a mental standpoint, pulling from 
pulling from your the recesses of your hippocampus. I think that's your long-term memory centers uh, from 2011. A little bit harder to do than it is uh, from just, you know, uh, 2020 or even, uh, you know, four years preceding that, which is what we're going to be looking at. So I think... I think this will be a fascinating, a fascinating look. Also depressing as well, but that's not really new for for this show. Hmm. Indeed. I I mean, that's a day that ends in Y around here, correct? All right. So we will unveil the topic in a moment. We will spend the next hour plus being in that moment that we are going to be discussing. And then for the final segment of the show, we'll come back around and return to real time and examine the conversation that we just had and how it may or may not impact the times in which we now live. Fair? Yes. So let us begin by asking the question, what if Hillary Clinton had won the 2016 election and she faced COVID as president instead? Gentlemen, today is a big day. In our line of work, it's kind of called the Super Bowl, right? Election Day 2020. And I I thought about beginning with a recap. Just trying to lay out all the things that have transpired to get us to this moment. And I realized, guys, that was going to be like an eight-hour show, okay? I mean, doesn't it feel like Trump conceded to Hillary Clinton like 20 years ago? A little bit. I mean, a a lot's gone down the last few years, right? He's just about broke. I had a pause because that pause included my soul breaking. Yes. But especially these last couple of years with COVID. We have... We have seen things we never, ever, ever thought we would see. We have an election tonight with an outcome that is, if you look at the real clear politics polling average, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, and you guys know me. I mean, does anybody working around here pour in a, at this place called The Blaze or, frankly, much of conservative media pour over more of these numbers or data points as much as I do? And I... Sometimes star lamentation. <laughs> Todd's looking at me like, we know Boston. Freaking sick of it, by the way. But um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I I thought I knew, and I think almost everybody thought they knew what was going to happen about until about three weeks ago. And then we had that final presidential debate. And I know you guys have asked me this question a million times. And do I regret not going with Ted Cruz again? Um, and when I, I mean, I still supported him in the primary. I mean, like working for the campaign now that he's actually the nominee and everything else. And, uh, sometimes watching the last couple of months, I've regretted it a little bit because I just think like a lot of you, he has been too soft in letting Hillary off the hook for all the COVID tyranny. And I think Knowing him as well as I do, I think a lot of that is because Ted is different than a lot of other politicians. If a lot of other politicians are paranoid, they'll be caught telling the truth. (laughs) 
right? Ted Cruz is paranoid that he will be caught telling a lie. I've told you guys the stories before when I was on the 2016 campaign and we were doing debate prep. We'd have to like go back, you know, and look up clips of everything he had previously said about an issue just to make sure it was still intellectually consistent with what he was saying now. And if it wasn't, that he had a justifiable reason for why he had made this pivot beyond I'm just pandering yeah. here, right? I remember what I said when I was three beers deep at Georgetown, and I got to make sure. <laughs> yes. That's only a slight exaggeration, by the way, okay? I mean, we looked up stuff Ted said when he was friggin' Solicitor General of Texas, okay? So, and let's face it, like a lot of people, R or D, he was all in at the beginning on, we're all in this together, 15 days to flatten the curve. 30 days to slow the spread, right? And so I can understand, maybe more than most of you can, having worked for him and knowing the man, why he was beyond hesitant to then pivot and start hitting her on issues just beyond broader, typical election year issues, when really this is the only election year issue that matters because this is the one that is maybe, we hope not, irrevocably altered all of our lives, right? Mm -hmm. And all we needed was, we wanted him as the GOP nominee here this time is to provide us the hearing through this campaign, to have this campaign provide us the hearing for these issues to be addressed and for someone to be held accountable, right? Well, lo and behold, and and I don't know, maybe it's a coincidence, I know know, there was the big story about bringing Ken Cuccinelli in to run the campaign here in the final month. Well, remember Ken, when he was running for governor of Virginia, a lot of us criticized him for losing his fastball. Why aren't you going after Obamacare? That was the issue that made you as the state's attorney, as the state's attorney general, right? And then he, the polls showed he was doomed last few weeks of that campaign in 2013. He throws caution in the wind, goes all in on Obamacare, and damn near pulls off that upset on election night over Terry McAuliffe, right? Well, they bring Cuccinelli back into the into Cruz world. He takes over the national campaign. And it becomes a complete and total referendum on what we call on this show COVID Stan. And right before that, and right during that last final presidential debate, finally, finally, Ted Cruz just decided to rear back and and throw some fastballs. And that has thrown this race into a tizzy because it looked like a foregone conclusion. I mean, it didn't look like it was going to be like a rout. But a four or five point win in a general election in today's balkanized yeah. America is a pretty solid win, yeah. especially if you've got the negatives of a Hillary Clinton, right? And all the data showed up that, that she was looking to, she was looking at that kind of a reelect until three weeks ago. And now, as George H.W. Bush used to say, old Mo has changed sides. And it's, it's, it used to be with the Clinton-Kane ticket. It's now with the Cruz-Haley ticket. And we don't know now. Every national poll, every um, every state battleground state poll that I've looked at that I trust, all within the margin for error. I've still got a few friends over there in Cruise World. I've talked to a couple little birdies over there, well-placed. You guys have always heard me say the campaigns have the better internal numbers than we do, right? Their internal numbers are margin for error. And then we've got this looming specter sort of Damocles we'll address separately in a moment out there of... Well, I don't know what else to call it other than just open ballot harvesting. I'm sorry, mail-in voting, right? We don't know what that's going to do. Count every vote, Steve. (laughs) We suspect we know, but we we don't entirely know. And, you know, if they were to try to steal it, you got to make sure you're stealing the right amount, right? 
you can't have like like right now the RCP average in uh, let me let's take Georgia. The RCP average in Georgia right now has Cruz plus two. All right. You can't if you steal too many votes out of out of Fulton and Cobb County and and it, down there in Georgia. <laughs> I'm sorry, harvest. I'm sorry, account. Is that the right word? Uh, if you count too many and Hillary wins by like three or four in a still Republican dominated state, you know what I'm saying? Can't raise too many yes. eyebrows. Yeah. You, 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 it's it's got to be, you know, plausible. We can't just wake up tomorrow and like, wow, Hillary won Georgia by five points. She didn't. Okay. So there's a, we'll get into that aspect of it because I think there's a, there's a whole conversation that a lot of you in our audience have wanted us to have about it for the last few months that, frankly, I've been a little afraid to because we've gone to some dark places already here in COVID stand America. That that one, hey, what happens if we just on this face don't trust elections at all anymore? <sighs> that, that's pitch black, man. That's not even dark. That's like absent of light, okay? Pitch blackness. But today is maybe the day that we should finally go ahead and address that at some point during our conversation. But let's just start there and then we'll go and then let's go back and let's retrace some of the big events that got us to this point here leading into election night. Let's just start there. You guys agree or disagree? Cruz finally taking the training wheels off, the restraining bolt off, and finally having the conversation that voters wanted him to have, not the conversation that he wanted to have in this last debate that that's kind of been because one argument is and and our buddy daniel says this it's not really a turning point it's just a lot of republicans are coming home now and that's evening it up that so maybe you agree with that maybe he doesn't really have momentum it's just we're we're you know we've reset the scales to where they actually belong but where do what do you guys think about that heading into tonight uh it's i think it's going to be uh too little uh too late I think it's going to uh, reek of politics to most people, uh, as desperate as many people uh, are uh, for change. They are still paralyzed uh, by this. They believe all manner of nonsense about this, as I've told you from the beginning. Um, you know that he, uh, the word that uh, we didn't come up much on this show uh, in terms of uh, my. Uh, my way of doing things, uh, my uh, how I view healthcare. Well, li- listen, we, we, I've shown you now that how drunk all of us are on certain ideas of what it means to be healthy, what it gets to be better. And I think had this pivot come out a long time ago, there would have been enough time, perhaps, to change hearts and minds. I, 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 I don't, I don't think this is ultimately going to bear fruit. I tend to agree with Todd to a little bit too little too late. I mean, if you would have told me four years ago the Ted Cruz campaign of all campaigns would be dragging their feet to get on the on the messaging of liberty uh, of liberty and being able to you know live as free Americans and breathe the free air again, I would have told you that's probably pretty unlikely but here we are but um because of that better late than never um in this particular case and 
We'll see, as you talked about, Steve, we'll see what this uh, scam of the the ballot heart, I'm sorry, the mail-in voting uh, scheme that they have going on. We'll see what that, I, I tend to think that it'll probably be negligible, but but we'll see. Um, it's just hard to, it, it's just hard to fake it in, in enough states, I would think, um, to swing an election without without having too many people um, like I said, raise eyebrows. So I'm not sure if they'll be able to actually accomplish that. That would be unprecedented if, if so. Um, but I, I think, I think if you're Ted Cruz here, you have to, you have to, you have to think to yourself, we're going to find out how many Americans really like living as Americans and hmm. how many are just addicted to the edicts of COVID Stan. Because that's what this election is going to end up being a referendum on. Knowing him as I do, if he were here, he would bristle at your contention, Aaron, that he has not been running a campaign on issues involving liberty. But to your point, and if I were on the campaign this time, I would have been saying and stomping my feet all this time, you have to do it on the issues that resonate with people, not on the issues that resonate with you. That's not to say the whole George Floyd thing and all the racial stuff that we saw this year. Um, and I think we all know that if a Republican were in charge, they would have turned those things into flat out, you know, riots of looting and everything else. Right. Instead, we just got, you know, protests and virtue signaling. But it, it's not that those issues don't resonate with people. They do. And I mean, Ted was very strong on those things very eloquent on those issues. The problem is, <laughs> even if they would like to, Black Lives Matters is not determining whether my kids are in school this week or not, right? Mm-hmm. They're not determining whether my business is open or not. Whether, as you put it, Aaron, I can breathe free air or not, right? Right. And it's 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 a little bit like, um, I saw a video in church once, on how it was it was testing men on how to relate to women okay oh and uh and it was a funny video guy sits down to talk with his wife catch up on how things are going okay and his wife's got a massive massive like pimple man it's 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 like you know mordor isengard sized right in her forehead okay and the whole thing is about men, listen to your wives. Don't try to step in and solve the situation, okay? And so the wife's talking about all these other problems that she has that pale by comparison to the fact there is this thing with puss coming out on, on her freaking forehead that might be a melanoma. We don't even know. You know what I'm saying? But, and, and can, the guy res- can the husband resist the temptation to say, hey, we need to address this problem? Or will he sit there and be patient and listen to his wife's broader concerns. You, get, you guys yes. get where I'm going with this? Okay. And and I kind of feel like, though, the voters wanted this one done in reverse. Where there were other issues out there that Ted and, and, and I mean, I thought Haley's performance in the VP debate was particularly, and we talked about it at the time, was just, I mean, could it get more milk toasty than that, right? Okay, and... It's not that I disagreed with what she was articulating on the issue. It's just she wasn't articulating the issue that we want articulated. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've much preferred what she had to say about a whole slew of topics compared to Tim Kaine, but she never got around to addressing the topic that we most of the t- mostly needed addressed. 
And I feel it's like that video, though, in reverse. We're like, we need you to address this giant thing growing out of our forehead. And you want to talk about everything else going on. Is that, is that I don't know, maybe that doesn't make any sense. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. yeah. And I think finally here in this last few weeks of the campaign, they've just decided, you know what? We should probably go ahead now and talk about what it is that the people that are the most likely to vote for us. And I've been trying to make this, and believe me, guys, I've made this argument privately to people within Cruz World, okay? Because you've heard me saying it publicly on the Mm -hmm. show this entire campaign. That anybody who would even think for five seconds about voting for you is not going to do so because they have a high opinion on Anthony Fauci. I mean, I nearly I nearly passed out when Ted finally said, finally criticized Fauci's duplicity during that last debate. That needed to be said like three mm-hmm. months ago, right? And then like for the next three months after saying it over and over and over and over again. I don't know that I agree with you that, it, you guys, it's too late though because he has run it against Hillary Clinton, guys. <laughs> okay? I mean, Trump almost beat Hillary Clinton, guys. Remember when Donald Trump was the nominee of the Republican Party? Doesn't that, again, I know I already asked this, but doesn't it seem like it was 20 years ago? Indeed. Indeed. It's and hard to believe that was even real. It, 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 but it was. And dude damn near won the presidency. Yes. Okay? When no one thought he had a shot. But he's still on, and I, I don't think it's ever too late when your opponent is Hillary Clinton. I agree. There's a, res, there's a residual negative favorability there. I agree. Built into my calculus about that, about the... People will view it as politics and not sincere. It's something you actually have always told me about Ted, and it's something I I don't know about him uh, uh, as well. Is that you know he's viewed as this nerdy, cold, austere, legal, brilliant legal mind. But you said this guy's really. He is an everyman. He's a really nice yep. guy, and he likes Star Trek and things He'd like. He'd rather be sitting on first baseline in an Astros game, yeah. or you know, watching the Rockets play. But the yeah. number of people who see him, like our friend Bob Vanderplatz, when I used to be at the Des Moines Register, Bob is the nicest guy in the world. You know how much people hate that guy. And he was like the dragon lady. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So they, he he's got to overcome that, and now he's he's seen as perhaps not even authentic. On top of that, like he's just a mere politician because he's pivoting when he has to, whether he's doing maybe, I mean, we all believe, I, I want to believe in my heart, he's he's genuinely learned something. I just think it might be too late and there might not be enough time uh, to do anything about that. Are you persuaded at all, Aaron, that he is still running against Hillary Clinton? And let's face you it, know, three weeks ago, we didn't think we'd be sitting here with this thing looking as competitive as it is right now. Yeah, I uh, with Hillary Clinton, there's there's always a chance, but then there's always a chance that you'll end up not killing yourself as well. So that kind of cuts both ways. <laughs> but first, a word about our friends over at ExpressVPN. You know, using the internet without ExpressVPN, that's like leaving your laptop exposed at the coffee shop table while you run to the bathroom. Most of the time, eh, you're probably fine. But what if one day you come out of the bathroom and your laptop is gone? That's why every time you connect to an encrypted network, whether at cafes, hotels, airports, any hacker can hack your network, gain access to your personal data. That's why you want to use a VPN like the award-winning 
ExpressVPN. That's the one I have installed on all of my devices. They create a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet that hackers therefore cannot hack into to steal your data. And it works on all your devices, phones, laptops, tablets, and more. And it installs in just a matter of minutes. You're just a few clicks away. So simple, even I can do it. So secure your online today by going to expressvpn.com slash Steve. That's expressvpn.com slash Steve. So in hindsight now, and this was much debated at the time, they had that stupid virtual convention, remember that? And I'm like, you guys can't do a virtual convention after the Democrats do one. Even if it means you got to move everything to Florida where Ron DeSantis is governor and have the convention there, you have to have some people in person. I mean, I just, you know what? Replaying some of these things is making me mad all over again, okay? Was the decision to make Haley the VP. It was very controversial with our base at the time. It was That's a classic Ted Cruz political calculus. Let me bring in the wing of the party that hates me. You know, she can be my George H.W. Bush. Remember, he is a Reaganite. He was raised, you know, his his father, Raphael, adored Reagan. I mean, he, he was, he is, he's been a Reaganite coming out of the crib, right? So Nikki Haley is his George H.W. Bush. Remember, George H.W. Bush is the one who accused Reagan of voodoo economics, which Democrats said for the next eight years, right? And, uh, and so this was his H.W. Bush play to try to unite the party, but- Maybe it did that. I mean, we've not seen, to his credit, we've not seen a bunch of sniping from the establishment throughout this campaign, but it certainly didn't energize a lot of people either. No, your point about how she behaved uh, and your analogy about the zit actually speaks volumes about this to me. With all of this level of uncertainty, and this is a guy who lives his life to be certain about everything, and he has the intellectual uh, an ethical wherewithal to get as close to it as most mortal human beings. But on this, that through all of us, including ourselves in this room to some degree, this is, is there ever been more uncertain footing in your adult lifetime? Uh, he needed somebody. I mean, her, her lack of addressing the thing is what he kind of needed. If anybody's going to address it, it's going to be me. And I can't have some maverick going all over the place. Mm-hmm. It has to be me in my moment because your point about everybody, you're right. Everybody out there is, is screaming from the hills, do something. Let's get back to normal something. But then you ask them, what do they want done? I have no idea. Right. That's where, and now I mean, I'm defending the, it, it, Ted. He's in an impossible position. That's true. Because I can say stuff like this, but I'm not running for election right now. Let me tell you guys something that's going to depress you. You ready for this? Always. Um, I mean, one of my little birdies told me final issue internal polling of the campaign for the for on the crew side told me that the that highest number of Americans ever desire COVID restrictions to end and normalcy to return. Okay, and so that's the meta theme, right? That's the meta. Mm -hmm. But when they when they ask them to articulate individually, okay, so lockdowns are unpopular. Okay, but masks, um, the, the, the new debate now about whether, you know, these new the, the, the and that's big news that came out earlier today. We got to tackle the vaccine issue, um, but whether these will be mandated or not. Okay, mandates, masks, every every one of the mitigation efforts, okay, that are anti-liberty or and or have already shown not to have worked. Okay, with the exception of lockdowns. The same people that say they want this all to end 
they actually have a positive favorability of all of these mitigation, yeah. almost all these mitigation efforts at the exact same time. Good luck crafting a message around that, to, to your point, yes. right? And so I think that's also why Cruz on the, at the debate spent so much time on just how terrible lockdowns were rather than addressing some of the other issues because that's the one thing that that the polling shows the people agree lockdowns were a mistake and should not be repeated. But I, in some way that kind of works against us and they're willing to put up with all forms of tyranny just to make the lockdown stop, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of like Machiavelli's The Prince where the prince brings in the new guy who's even worse than him. Uh, in order to send a signal to the people, hey, you think I'm bad? There's always there's always something worse than me to make himself look mm-hmm. suddenly more comfy and cozy, right? And it's almost as if lockdowns were such a disaster that it made all the other things palatable by comparison. Yeah, and they only think they're a disaster because of the they they see that they didn't work. Where that's not the only that's one part of evaluating it. We were. Uh, much more skeptical at the outset about them working, but about whether or not they were something a free people should ever assent to. So which speaks to what you're talking, the psychological balance. People are so broken right now. That's that's what they're doing. They're constantly splitting the Mm -hmm. baby in half and, and thinking that's actually a sane thing to do. Which I would then have argued if I were still on the campaign perfect atmosphere for someone to step forward with strong leadership and a vision they believe in that they are willing to sell contrary to what they've already seen. Yep. Let's take a look back at how we got to this moment when we return. You're listening to Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. So that the world may know, this is Steve Dace. All right, so it appears that today's the day we should finally go ahead and contemplate going there. Because as we look ahead to election night tonight, and we decided not to have any guests here today, just to, I hate to be arrogant, but frankly, unless we could get the candidates themselves on, anything we would hear would either be spin or something that I can tell the audience or explain because I come out of this line of work. So we just made the decision it would be better for us just to lay everything out, analyze it as best we can, and then we'll sign off and go home and watch the returns like everybody else, and we'll find out if if Ted Cruz is the next president of the United States with Vice President-elect Nikki Haley or Hillary Clinton has managed to do it again. There's having nine lives, and then there's having... 90 or ending people's lives as the joke goes. That's still my all time favorite uh, Twitter hashtag Hillary or Hillary body count. That's my favorite one. Okay. But first a word from our friends over at real estate agents. I trust.com. You know, in these unprecedented times, bing, uh, you dare not 
venture into this uncertain real estate, let's go Brandon, real estate market without an agent that you can trust to get you from start all the way to a successful finish? Where would you find them? We made it easy for you. Head over to realestateagentsitrust.com. We vet each and every one of these agents before they are listed in our database. That's why we've got a, we've got a long list of agents waiting to be listed. We don't just take anybody. We vet them first. They have to earn our trust first before we dare entrust them to you process is simple. Just go to realestateagentsitrust.com today, provide us some basic info, and then our team will contact you to make an introduction to one of our recommended agents to get you going and all the way to the finish line. When you go, again, to realestateagentsitrust.com, realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's talk about the big elephant in the room, shall we? And It's not that we have not addressed it on this show. We have actually talked and covered it, talked about it a lot. We've had numerous guests about it. I have, I admittedly, and I've told you this all along, I have been hesitant to go where a lot of you in my inbox want me to go on this. And it's not because I don't think what you fear cannot happen. It's the exact opposite. It's, it's that I do. It's not that I think you're knucking futz. It's that I don't. It's not that I think you are conspiracists. I mean, some of the work this show has done for the last year and a half on COVID, or actually it feels like a year and a half, year on COVID. No, no, um, that's not it either. At this point, I might sell you on some conspiracies. <laughs> okay. Uh, hydroxychloroquine, anyone? But um, this has always felt to me like breaking a seal. Like if we go there, we can't go back. We can't, if we look at it, we can't unsee it. And it's one of the breaking points of us as a people. I mean, if, if we don't trust anymore that the ultimate peaceable expression of my, my citizen voice, the vote, if we don't trust that that's relevant anymore, that it's not trusted anymore, I mean, I just, we've come to the end of the road, boys to men. Know what I'm saying? This is the end of the road. I I just, I don't know where we go. Hey, what's, what's the comeback from, hey, our votes don't count anymore. Hey, what time is Monday night football on tonight? I, I, and so I have been at times to much to the frustration Several of you have, and you've been right to ask of me to be as bold in confronting the ballot harvesting proposals and schemes as I have been going after COVID. It just seems to me, though, after the Supreme Court opinion earlier this year, and we don't have any states that are not implementing, not even Florida. Now, in DeSantis's defense, a lot of analysts think they are going to have the most guard-railed mail-in voting process in the United States of America. But they're still going to have it, though. 
You're still going to be able to mail your ballot in down there in Broward and Miami-Dade counties. You're going to be able to mail in all the mail in your hanging chads if you want, right? Mm-hmm. Now, he's going to have a tighter grip on who's counting them and what will be counted than you'll probably see in a lot of other states. But it ain't like it's a no hanging chad. It's a hanging chad free zone down there. They're going to mail in their ballots in Miami-Dade and Broward too. So to me, we have a situation where, and I have fought against this most of my career, but with the exception of one judicial retention election in Iowa, have largely lost. We live in an era where what the court's rule is supreme. The courts ruled 7-2 to earlier this year. Only Alito and Thomas were the only two dissents. 7-2 to earlier this year to permit all forms of mail-in balloting, I mean, voting on demand, basically all of America's California now. It's just a matter of who's doing the, who's counting to make sure that the mail-ins are legitimate or not. But this does beg a question because every time we do, an, an, we do election analysis on this show, guys, which for me is a lot, invariably I constantly get feedback, none of this even matters. They're just going to steal it. None of it even matters. Now, I have tried to lay out from my own experience how stealing three or four points is not easy to do. Okay, that's a, that's a hell of a lot of postage stamps in places like Broward County and Miami-Dade because even though those are overwhelming Democrat strongholds, Republicans are still going to get like 30% of the vote there. You see what I'm saying? So it's not easy to just whole cloth steal an election But could I foresee a scenario where tonight, because of how close all this polling is, and it's all within the margin for error, where mail-in balling, mail-in voting, just so happens to give Hillary an extra one-point bonus in all of these key places? I could see that. And then I'm afraid of where this conversation goes in the aftermath of that. Thoughts? I I just want to reiterate what I said in the first... I, I just, the the incongruity that would have to happen in some of these areas that you're talking about, that would just raise, I've been telling myself all year to stop doing this. The whole, you know, eventually cooler heads prevail, stop. Do, I think even this, though, is a bridge too far. If you do it in one or two places, but now we're talking about multiple areas, including some place like, Georgia, Fulton County. Do you think? Do you think the Republican governor there is one going to want to have something like this on his hands? I I don't think so. That's a good point. So I just I I can't see I can't see them being able to pull it off in so many areas if they don't pull it off in every single area. Because how are you going to explain that she's outperforming polling in just these handful of counties, but not in you know uh, in every single area? If she's not doing it across the board, but only in these few handful of places she absolutely needs to be able to win, secure a win, that just smells fishy. And I just don't think that they're going to be going to be willing to take that risk. And if they do, I think somebody's going to probably call them out on that. Todd? I think they want to do that. Well, because yes. they are who they are. <laughs> and I think th- they will have to do everything in their spiritual power, whatever that spirit is on any given day, to keep themselves 
from doing it. But here's the one thing about uh, Republicans. Even if they don't want to win to defend our values, they, they like being at the cool kids table. That's why they got, many of them got elected. This was like the next thing on their bucket list of things to be, um, you know, recognized at the cotillion at the end of their life. (laughs) And so if, if this, this could definitely upend this particular election, but I just can't imagine long-term maybe they don't care long-term. And if you're an agent of chaos, Hey, who knows? But long-term, isn't this the one thing that Republicans aren't going to fight for life or marriage or a bunch of stuff, but they do want to win. They like being there, don't they? And and this is another thought I just had as you were talking, Todd. It just so happens the Republican nominee happens to be one of the most effective and decorated right-wing trial lawyers in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you have to think that he would not, I mean... Whatever is the full extent of the law right. here would be would absolutely be tested in his case. If, if if they did this out in the open. Now you're sitting there, you know, with a court right now that has um Alito and Thomas, and then I guess uh not even part time saying John Roberts, and then the rest are all lefties so because even that court clearly underneath all that just does it doesn't believe it can really go there the dark forces because they believe i want to believe that they believe there's some sort of natural consequences and i i i partially do too if you do this even if you pull the wool over their eyes to win this particular election given enough time you can't Hide this. It, it's going to come out because, the, the, and if it does, people will forgive you. I mean, look, we're, we're frustrated on the show all the time about how fickle the voter is. They'll forget everything you believed or said the last party, how bad they screwed up. This time, this party's screwing up. I'm going the other. They'll do it. But it seems one thing they'll remember if just one of them flat out, all in, cheated their blankety blank off. I wouldn't. I would like to think that. The total depravity side of me wonders if the same Supreme Court that unleashed this on us. I mean, we we heard a oh, lot a of the arguments against this. And in fact, I think the last time we had Ted on this show was shortly before the Supreme Court hearing on this or, or ruling on this. And I remember him saying, correct me if I'm wrong, he was optimistic despite the ideological bent of the court looking at the questions that were asked uh ted himself and his campaign filed a friend of the court brief for example that he was confident that they would not just go katie bar the door just completely remove all the latches off pandora's box and then similar to obamacare where the questions went one way and then the decision went another twice they did and can you now get that same court within a, the span of a calendar year to look at the mess that it made and realize that's too high of a cost, too too much of a price to pay? 
I don't know. I mean, do you trust? Strangely enough, I think I might trust Ruth Bader Ginsburg along those lines. Like, I think she's a, you know, I think she's a Marxist ideologically, but I don't think she's a Soviet politically. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I, I think we could, I, I, I trust her there. Do I, do I trust Sonia Sotomayor? Do I trust Elena Kagan? No. You know what I'm saying? Do I trust John Roberts there? Maybe. Because I think Roberts is nothing if not an institutionalist, and I think he might be concerned about what you're talking about. Just everything is, this, is Chicago in 1960, right? That's what we're talking about now. Philadelphia. Look at the battleground states. So there's some debate whether Arizona is a battleground state this time. So Phoenix is now Chicago. Philadelphia, Pittsburgh are Chicago. Atlantis, Chicago. Uh, Cleveland and, and, and Cincinnati are Chicago. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I, I want to believe you're right if for no other reason that I am afraid of what it means if you're wrong. Well, I don't, Aaron's right to talk about how he can't imagine how this could be pulled out without being glaringly obvious. And that's my point about this. But it seems like there would be, this would not be remotely nebulous. It would be so obvious to deny it, no matter what your proclivities as a judge, it would be that great naked gun scene from our youth uh, where there's there's the body is right there and he's got yeah. the megaphone. There's nothing to see here. Right. Please disperse. Like, I, right. it, there's the bodies like right there. Could Wouldn't overturning this election, even... Even if you didn't have time to fix that particular election, mm-hmm. if you just the next month, the next year, you did the research. Oh my God, this thing is a total a crime was committed. Right. What standing in the way of that? I want. Uh, it seems to be an impeachable offense. I want to believe he's right about that, Aaron. I I want I I want him to be right about that as well. Unfortunately, we've had the last year, and I was hoping I would be wrong about a lot of things, but uh, unfortunately, I was not. I'm not going to ask it, because I, we've, we've had to deal with a, an, enough dark subject matter in the last year. I prefer to, to not add to it unless we have to. And so I'm not going to ask the question, what happens if the events tonight with the ballot harvesting and mail-in voting convince almost half the country that elections don't have integrity in America anymore? And oh, by the way, the people that stripped it of all integrity are the ones trying to essentially strip you of your way of life at the exact same time. We're not just having policy disagreements here, but very existential level stuff. Because I think those are the things that that entire history books and footnotes about once great civilizations are written about in the future. And I'm afraid that they'll be written about us if that happens to be true. So maybe the first thing tonight is, how about somebody definitively wins? one way or the other, definitively wins. So that we're not having conversations about 
We don't want to look like some third world countries where ballots are getting dropped off in the middle of the night. Some of the stupid stuff you see like in Venezuela and some of these places, right? That, that, could, that crap would never happen here, thank goodness. Or at least I hope we'd never let it happen. I will come back. More of your election 2020 preview here in a moment. No chaser. Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Election Day 2020. In the year unlike any other. I am Steve Dace, Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre here with us as well. I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of enjoying doing some old, just old, I know you guys get sick of it after a while because I can, I can dig in deep, maybe too deep into data and things like that. But it is kind of interesting to, and fun to do this again for a change as opposed to all the COVID stand uh, crap we've been relegated and forced to do this last, what, seven, Nine eight months, months now? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of fun to, almost feels a little normally. I know you're against anything uh, that approaches any form of f- faw normalcy, right? But this kind of feels a little normally, a little bit, doesn't it? Oh, I. this is a part of normal I'd I'd gladly go back to, absolutely. But first, a word from our friends at Patriot Mobile. You know, offers for free iPhones are usually too good to be true, just like freedom itself. Nothing is free. Mobile phone companies not only lock you into long-term contracts, but they also build the price of that phone into your bill with hidden fees. But with Patriot Mobile, they can show you how to get the same iPhone interest-free without the games and no contract. Why? Because Patriot Mobile is America's only, well, American mobile phone company offering the same nationwide coverage of all the communist companies, but without the communism. So if you want to support a company that supports you and your values and shares them, go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve or call their 100% U.S.-based customer service team now at 972-PATRIOT. Get a free activation today with the offer code Steve when you do. And that's when you go to PatriotMobile.com, use the offer code Steve for the free activation, or call them at 972-PATRIOT. So, as I said at the top here today, I I really thought about retracing our steps to how we got here and then realized that'd be like a nine-hour show, okay? So, I, I wanted us to discuss the the two things we already have, number one. There's clearly some momentum on the side of the Cruz-Haley ticket. Now, whether it's because, like me, you think that his performance in that third and final debate has switched momentum and you just hope it's not too late, or you think, like our colleague Daniel Horowitz, that a lot of it is soft Republicans and anti-Clintons who are eventually going to come home. And so now the board is just kind of set the way it probably should have been all along. Okay. Um, Then we got into the... uh, the elephant in the room, man. And that's the ballot harvesting, uh, the mail-in voting, motor voting everywhere uh, that the Supreme Court unleashed earlier this year. And that, frankly, we don't even want to contemplate what would happen if they do with it what we've always known they've wanted to do, right? 
list. Mm-hmm. So we discussed that. There's too many th- two two other things I think we have to discuss here today before we get out of here, and then we're going to do what the rest of you guys do. We're going to go home and watch the returns tonight, and then come in tomorrow and analyze what happened and look at the exit bowling. The the mask. I I just have I don't know if you guys saw the other day. The other day there was a picture in New York. They just reopened. Funny how they're doing this now. It's November. They want to have the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. De Blasio just reopened New York City. Funny how that works, huh? Weird. Like you would have thought it had been opened in June, July, and August, <laughs> okay, when it was good to be outside and in the heat from a respiratory virus. But now now that the companies are like, uh, where's our, yo, where's our Christmas at and our Macy's Parade and everything else, suddenly now... New York City is open again. You see the couple in Times Square that kissed the mask? <laughs> they were both masked. You see this? You're trying to hurt me. Outside, masked, kissing with masks on in Times Square. I know I know. we've done, how many shows have we done about these damn masks? And, I mean, we've done all sorts of hermeneutical studies on them as pagan relics. I, I have just... I've never seen anything like it. And it's it is the kind of thing that we saw guys, we saw NFL we it's still the season. They played games last Sunday. There are still NFL players with helmets on playing with masks on. And they have like their social justice warrior messages on them, okay? Their virtue signals on them. And it'd be fair if you dudes have their Bible verses on them, which I frankly find even more disturbing, if you know what I'm saying, uh-huh. G. Okay? Yes. All right. But it's like one of these things is not like the other, okay? Uh, all the Bible verses about Baal and Malok and Chamash were negative, not inclusive. In, in, in inclusionary okay <laughs> they're only they're only sign, signified in a negative sense all right they aren't like syncretized but i've done that show i don't have to do that one again but um it has made this other than sweden and i, I guess maybe you know the clintons maybe they know what they're doing okay and they uh how many presidential elections have the clintons won three how many have i won Less than that, okay? So, How much bile did you choke down saying what you just said? <laughs> a lot. But then I also realized I don't have a body count. But um, I know it was transparent as hell. Cynical, even even more cynical than that. As, as, as transparent as it was lucid, it was so transparent. And as transparent as it was, it was even more cynical. But this whole thing that they launched at their convention back in July where we're going to reopen America with everything masks, masks everywhere. Every, and I mean, like, when I say everywhere, everywhere, guys. I mean, half of CNN's primetime lineup broadcasts with their masks on. Anderson Cooper wears a mask every night. And I want to do a 360 looking at that, which is why I don't watch. I, I, I mean... It's it's cultic, yes. It's pathetic, absolutely. Pagan, faux shizzle. 
But I hate to say it, man. We've talked about if, if Ted wins tonight, what would be the reason why, right? I believe if Hillary wins tonight, it's because the Clintons assuaged so many people's irrational fears with these masks that they turned America into a nation of, a, of majority Linuses with a blanket. And that, that was enough to get here in this third quarter, enough of the country reopened, enough of the economy going, that we the recession only lasted one quarter. We were on pat we're on yeah, we're on what's the trend line now? We might have eight, nine, ten percent growth this economic quarter. And it's because they use those damn masks to get people, a lot of their own people, out of their homes, back to some semblance of normal lives. I mean, you're now it's it's weird as hell watching we're starting high school basketball season, you know? I mean, I know your daughter, it, that we weren't doing this in Iowa, but in a lot of school districts, man, I know you saw this in some of the places you guys went out of state. You saw people running in masks, oh, yeah. playing soccer in masks. Oh, yeah. Now I wonder if we're going to see indoors high school basketball players oh, later are. this month in masks, I playing my, basketball in masks. I just canceled my kids. I had to tell them, oh, sweetie, I wish you could, but um, you're not doing this in a mask. Bro, several reasons. Health only being one. Physical health yes. only being Breathing one. Breathing all, we've done all those shows too. Yes. Breathing in the bacteria, yeah. But if they win tonight, and it's not because they stole it with the ballot harvesting mm-hmm. we just talked about, the deific, not even elevation, the deification of these masks. We used to joke that Barack Obama was the greatest gun salesman of all time. Anthony Fauci is the greatest damn mask salesman of all friggin' time. Okay? What they did with these masks to get as much of the country reopened as possible here in these few months towards the end of the summer and then well into the fall now, so the kids are back in school and everything else. If Hillary survives this year, and maybe it's fitting that if the Clintons win... It's because of a mask, if you know what I'm saying, G. You guys have any thoughts well, that, on that? That's what I was going to talk about. When you initially started asking this, I, I felt all the hate come up and like, uh, that can't possibly be a winning message. But it's, it can be because it's not unique. The mask is the latest iteration of the mask that you're, this is what progressivism does. It's, it's always got to find the thing in each election to convince you, you aren't really free. You are actually, uh, guilty of something that you need to have, uh, some sort of societal, uh, there needs to be recompense for your, you know, your perpetual first world guilt of some kind that you need to own up to. That is the new, cause celeb that uh is part of uh victimization culture and this is the healing balm that progressivism provides if if we had if that's not what progressivism did every cycle masks would have been a Mm -hmm. laughable failure but but because this entire culture and not just democrats a bunch of republicans a bunch of people sitting in those church pews Mm -hmm. that are just as terrified for all the kind of bamboozled reasons we talk about all Dude, the we time. Had, remember we had the list earlier this year of pastors who were caught doing sermons in the pulpit wearing masks? Yeah. We actually just started, we started so, keeping a running list of them on De Aaron's montage. And, I mean, how, Steve, how many shows 
that during our time, uh, Aaron and my time here, before we even arrived on the show, have you talked about the problem of the churches and the pulpit just becoming like everybody else? Mm-hmm. And well, the mask is the so perfect they, we, cementing confirmation of that. This is just the next. See, f- there's a lot of unique things about what COVID brought to bear. the The mask is not unique. It's what progressivism and Democrat politics always ultimately try to do to the population. It's this is this is nanny state stuff. Look, you can you're safe out there. You can live. We'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. That's what this is. We saw this year, Aaron, some of the biggest names in American evangelicalism preaching in masks. Yeah. And it's at this point though, what can you what can you say? <laughs> I there's disappointment and then there's just numbness. With some of this stuff, especially that particular example, I just I just get numb to it because I just expect expect people like that now to let me down. Which I guess means that I can't be disappointed, but uh, wow, is that is that not dark? Uh, at least all those people are you know super duper pious, so that's cool. Um, but as as far as the mask goes, I think Todd is definitely on to something. This is just this is just a different iteration, a physical manifestation, if you will, a physical manifestation, if you will, of um, of your adherence to progressivism. In terms of, mm-hmm. in terms of, in religious terms, what do we as Christians, or at least in evangelicalism, uh, outside of, well, even even Baptists do this as well, but most evangelical denominations, how, what are we told to do to show our outward obedience and newfound relationship in Christ after we come to saving faith? In him. Baptism? Baptism. Yeah. This is the progressive baptism. This is an outward expression. This is an outward expression of your inward heart. Is it not? And what's unsettling, you talk about, isn't it nice to go back and not talk about COVID? But here's the part, and <laughs> we know we can't yeah. really go back because we talk about on the show all the time the slippery slope where it goes we absolutely believe it we're, we are trying to talk about our faith in the most grassroots boots on the ground where what the wages of sin are but now we've actually seen it with our own eyes in ways even though we knew we could have we believed it seeing it yeah experiencing it, being on outside on soccer sidelines and seeing every single parent outside masked up didn't Republican, Democrat, who knows? They're like, oh, why? Well, because they told me to. You, you learn. You, I don't know. I'm speaking just for me. It's it. It is a mind scrabble to see. It's it's not like they're not even. They don't even seem bothered. In all three presidential debates, Hillary Clinton wore a mask yeah. during the debate. Now, some people thought that improved her numbers because we saw less of her. <laughs> I wouldn't be one of those people, but. In the vice presidential debate, now at least Ted did not wear one of the damn masks during the debate. If that had happened, folks, I was going to start walking <laughs> the earth kung fu style to wherever he was at next to rip that damn thing off his face. Okay, but we did see in the VP debate. That's right, Haley and Kane both wore masks. Nikki Haley <laughs> wore a freaking mask during the VP debate. 
Okay, we're going to run out of time, and there is some breaking news today that isn't election-oriented. Right, except it is, okay? And I know this is going to set you off, dude, okay? Thank you. Yeah. So there's been all this talk this year about Operation Warp Speed. Uh, This was announced by Anthony Fauci, head of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, under the watchful gaze of President Clinton, uh, that this is going to be the fastest vaccine effort of all time. And I have been telling everybody, go back and look at the first SARS. You guys know all this. I don't have to repeat myself. They spent over 12 years trying to find a vaccine for the first SARS. Never could. I don't believe they'll be successful with it here. And if they are, it will turn out to be a therapeutic, like a flu shot, uh, about mitigating symptoms. It will not be an inoculation or immunization which is the traditional, you know, definition of vaccine, right? We've had all those conversations this year, okay? Well, the the human trials have been going on here for about 40 days, and we've gotten nothing. Like, we haven't seen any data or anything out of this at all. And, um, and, And so we don't know what the FDA thinks, but we do know what Big Pharma thinks. Joint press release issued earlier today by Moderna and uh, I think it's Pfizer. Yeah, those are the two companies in Warp Speed that are doing the mRNA, which again, if you don't know what that means, that stands for messenger RNA. It's a new kind of vaccine technology. And um, I don't know much about it. I I guess I'm going to have to study more about it next year when this becomes more of an issue, but How about a statement from these two companies today announcing that they are going to jointly be applying now for emergency authorization use from the FDA and congratulating President Clinton on completing the 21st century equivalent of the Manhattan Project. I don't want to politicize medicine and stuff, man. Okay. And the, as I've told you guys all this year, the virus doesn't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, or independent. But man, I, and, and I've thought at times this year, what people like Alex Berenson had done, and they, they're friends of ours. We've had them on our show. have been great. I think, and this is maybe where you and I are going to differ. I think some of their advanced um, skepticism on from whistleblowers on the the efficacy of these vaccines and stuff is a little over the top, but I, I guess I don't really know until I see the data for myself. But doesn't this kind of just feed everybody's conspiratorial skepticism? That that today on the day of the election they announce they're ready to apply for emergency authorization, and then they specifically thank the president for completing the 21st century equivalent of the Manhattan Project. I mean, why don't they just friggin' endorse Hillary for president while they're at it here? You know what I'm saying? I mean, and and what's ironic about it is a lot of us have been frustrated by how overly friendly and so that, that I mean, dude, has anybody said more nice things about Hillary's vaccine effort here than Ted Cruz has for the last six months, right? See that. And now here on the on election day, Big Pharma comes out with these releases that are basically Hillary endorsements. So to me, that's one issue. And then the other issue is 
Out of nowhere now, they're going to apply for emergency authorization from the FDA, which I don't know a lot about, but I think that means that they don't have to be fully, um, or, or they're fully indemnified from any lawsuits without having to be fully transparent about results and ingredients until it has full authorization, right? Is that what that means, I believe? So this is obviously another big story today, and it cannot be coincidental timing. So so I know what you're going to say. So let me go with Aaron first. Aaron, go ahead. You don't, you don't trust a vaccine that's, I don't know, been developed in, what, uh, seven months, six, seven, eight months? You don't trust that on its face? I mean, like you said, though, I guess we'll have to wait for some of the data to come in. I hope this is, I hope it's an, uh, I hope it's an off ramp. I hope, I, I hope for the, for the, for the branch Covidians, those who are like totally invested in this virus and just totally gripped by fear. I'm hoping that this will just give them some sort of, um, some sort of mental, uh, psychological boost to say, yep, I'm protected now. I can go about my day to day life. I'm done with these restrictions. If you don't want it, screw you, but I'm not worried about it. I, I'm hoping that's that's like the best case scenario for me um, and not you know, obviously not forcing it on people. I don't I think you're going to have a really a really tough time doing that. Um, and most of the Democratic apparatus, along with uh, Anthony Fauci, sorry for the redundancy, um, they've already indicated that it's impossible to, to do at the federal level. I'm sure I'm sure we'll be having this conversation at the local level, but um, obviously, yeah, that's it's trying to it's trying to um, slant, cook up, and uh, and uh, rig. I think the today's election. I I don't really think you can see it in any other light than that at this point, which <sighs> makes me makes me uncomfortable. In light of our discussion earlier, what else? What else are they cooking up to rig today? I don't know. I guess the sky is the limit at this point. Wow, I'm even more depressed than I was before we started. Thank you, Aaron. And that was before I went to Todd on the topic of vaccine. So, Todd, go ahead. Well, I told you earlier that I th- I thought Ted's pivot even. Even if it's um, authentic, and I, I do believe it is, it's probably too little, too late because it will be uh, looked at as uh, a cynical political ploy, and it won't give it enough time to marinate in uh, people to change hearts and minds on this. So, if I believe that about it, it would stand to reason here at the eleventh hour. They're pulling out this. I mean, isn't this the most cynical? Political yes. player, so but they couldn't have done this tomorrow. But but this is where I tell you about the magical power of vaccines. You don't. This is going to be viewed by people on the left, people in the center, and people on the right as manna from heaven. And it's like, oh, we got through all this, and it would have been hard for anybody to deal with. But she's the one who uh, got us this, and we got to give her a shot uh, with these things so we can go back to normal. And Ted's cornered because he can't say a thing about this being cynical. Should he put a statement out congratulating yeah, everybody? But, see, Should it, he do that instead? I don't. I'm asking. Well, it, but he could, and it, I, 
He would look like a swell guy, but I don't think that's going to put him over the... I mean, this is... You, you don't have any idea, and I know I come from a unique circumstance, and maybe... Uh, I, and I know it's a niche place, uh, but I think we're going to a place where you're going to realize it's not so niche after all. The, the, people are under the sway of the magical power of things called vaccines. And this is this is as cynical and as disgusting as this is, assu- uh, assuming uh, the worst case scenario about the possible efficacy of this because we don't have time, but it's actually psychologically, in terms of psychological political warfare, it's absolutely brilliant. This is what 95% of America wants to hear. Stick it into my veins. But first, a reminder about Rough Greens. If you are a pet owner, you know that taking care of your pet means more than just giving it food and water. It's a big part of your family. So it's health and happiness is big important to you as well. That's why we've been telling you for a while now about the supplement powder that replaces a lot of the nutrition that's taken out of your pet's food before it ever leaves the factory. For the same reason they do it to the people food we eat these days, mass distribution and consumption. That's why we're taking so many supplements, or at least should be nowadays. And now there's one for your pet. If you want to give it a shot, see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less on us. We'll give you the first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free. You, you chip in a few bucks for the shipping, but we'll pick up the much bigger cost for the bag because we think it's a good product. We want you to give it to your dog. We think you're going to see a difference. So go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, for roughgreens.com to take advantage of this offer. Or call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG, roughgreens.com, or 833-ROUGH-DOG. Did I read this? Is it true that the Pfizer vaccine is two doses? I think they both are. Really? Yeah. That's kind of weird. I think they both are two doses. I don't know how far apart they the days are, you know, and I don't, I don't know why they're, it's in two doses. I don't know, but I think they both are from what I read. But again, there has not been a lot of information about no. this. There have been a few whistleblowers that, again, people like Berenson and others have talked to. Um, and I will admit openly, I'm behind the curve on this because I've just put so much effort into the lockdowns and the masks and the kids and everything else. And until recently, I really didn't think that they were going to come up with something tangible this fast. Well, you should ask if they really have. Well, you know, I've only got a few minutes left here, but I, that prompts another question. Isn't it? We all know that Clintons are corporate whores. Everybody knows that, right? What was the line that Hillary had uh, here in Iowa uh, a couple of years Killing ago about Cedar why Rapids? She, yeah, <laughs> not that one. <laughs> that was a better one. Why she couldn't beat Bernie Sanders and Barack Obama here? And she goes, "Well, I'm not a socialist like the Democrats are in Iowa, right? Okay, but you are still a Democrat, right? I mean, isn't it just weird to have?" Arguably the least accountable global corporations in the world sending um, helmet stickers and um, waving palm branches at the Democrat nominee for president on the eve of the election. You know what I'm saying? That doesn't that isn't that a Nixon only Nixon could go to China kind of it? Doesn't that just seem weird? Don't you say that about those beautiful healers over there? (laughs) I mean, 
Just if, let them touch the hem of all the garments, Steve. If, if, if you had corporatists endorsing Hillary, the Democrat nominee on election day, on your bingo card, you win. I mean, who had that? Who saw that one coming? Although, I mean, we have talked a lot in recent years. And, you know, he didn't win four years ago. But one thing that this is something that Trump's campaign absolutely exposed is how increasingly corporatist the Democratic Party is, right? I mean, here's the Republican nominee we talked about at the time, comes from the big global finance world, and they couldn't, they all lined up against him for, for Hillary Clinton instead. Who says, who says big government and big business aren't in, don't go together, right? It's more like ebony and ivory living together in perfect harmony, okay? But don't you typically think you got to keep it on the down low at least a little bit? Just to go right out there and say, that's my gal, the Democrat nominee. What's, what's Elizabeth Warren thinking this morning or this afternoon, do you think? How? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when, when, the Ocasio, when Ocasio-Cortez's office, when they saw that story, what do you think they thought? Hate the game, not the player. Yeah, I think they uh, thought, know. we'd like to get a piece of that action. We get both sides of the street, man. Bernie Sanders owns three homes. We get both sides of the street. We get to be class war, warrior, class about- warfare warrior and get the corporatist yeah. grift. We get them both. Yes. This is my point about Ted Cruz. With the, you know, he's just like, I'm screwed. That's what they're thinking. And so here's Ted. I'm, hey, I'm pro-vaccine. I want to help people. Yeah. I'm endorsing this process all along. I'm putting this ahead of my own political acumen while being accused of being driven only by mere ambition the entire time, right? And on the day of the election, he gets up with, hey, um, you healed. We're all we're slain in the we're slain in the needle, and they the big pharma's come out and endorsed Hillary Clinton for president basically and thanked her for com- helping them complete their heroic exploit that we still don't know if it even works yeah. because no one's seen any data. Most of America sees the seas parting right now. <sighs> we'll come back. I'm feeling increasingly negative about how tonight's going to go. Good. We'll come back and wrap things up here in a moment. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network. Following the truth, no matter where it leads. The Steve Day Show. And we welcome you back now to Real Time. It is this present darkness and instead of the, the past darkness we were talking about. So let's discuss, as we laid it out, an alternative view of history. What if Hillary Clinton had won the 2016 election instead and then faced COVID as president? You folks may have noticed that she ends up making almost all the exact same decisions that Donald Trump made, just some with a little more cowbell than others, if you will. Um, but she does cynically decide to use the uh, the mask mania as the means by which to get much of America back and reopened in time for the election to get the economy rebooted. So she makes that cynical play. 
We talk about Ted Cruz being the nominee as the runner-up the last time and with Trump out of the way this time. The election too close to call. We looked ahead to what could potentially be a divisive and an interesting debate about pharmaceutical companies and vaccines and what are they and do they work that may be awaiting us in the new year. Mail-in voting and ballot harvesting, how if that were unleashed with reckless abandon, how how that could severely damage the, uh, the country um, and its ability to remain so. But first, don't forget, especially this time of year, you're looking for, you're looking for really worthwhile causes to give to. Uh, what's a more worthwhile cause than the cause of life? And that's what our friends at Preborn are all about. Uh, they have found out that if you show a mom the ultrasound, let her hear the heartbeat of her baby. 80% of the time, her conscience will be convicted that she can't go through with it. But they also understand that you got to save the mom too, not just the baby. It's You got to love them both. And they do that with all kinds of maternity needs, clothes, diapers, counseling, and more. All this is free. Well, free to the mom and the baby, but not to preborn. All right. So for just $28, you can rescue a baby's life. For $140, you can sponsor five ultrasounds. All right. And now through a match, your gift is doubled. 100% of your donation will go to saving babies. Just go to preborn.com slash Steve right now. Go to preborn.com slash Steve. What stood out to you guys about the conversation we just had for the last hour plus? I think if you would have asked me in late summer of 2020, because remember back in 2020, um, we were in every now and then when we had moments to spare, we were asking ourselves this question just as um, somewhat of a critical thinking exercise. What would be different now if if Hillary Clinton were president? If you had asked me back in, in the late summer, as late as maybe August or, or middle of September, uh, what would have been different? I would have said probably a lot of stuff would have been different under particularly Hillary Clinton. Now, Barack Obama, I don't think so. If you would have asked me that at that time, I don't think a lot would have been different under Barack Obama. Or, uh, But I, I think Hillary Clinton, the Clintons are all for the Clintons. I think they understand better than most that um, it's all about this, man. It's all about that whether it's in my pocket or the people who are most likely to vote for me. I can't be having completely complete jobless claims, uh, completely terrible jobless claims week after week, month after month, year after year. It seemed like year after year. I, I think they would have made some different decisions. I think they would have tried as best as they could to avert the, the panic that was going down. Mm. Remember back in 2009, I think it was, we had a com- a, a, ter- a terrible, um, maybe it was 2010, just a terrible wave of the flu. I don't know if it was uh, influenza A or influenza B, I can't remember. Terrible wave of the flu. You know why that didn't continue to cause panic? There was a little bit of panic. I remember that a little bit. Um, I believe it was Obama's FDA or maybe CDC. Who decided? You know what? Uh, we're not going. We're not going to ramp up testing. In fact, mm-hmm. we're going to dial it back just a little bit. Mm-hmm. See, Democrats have made these types of decisions uh, in recent memory. The Clintons have been doing it for a long time. So you could have made the case to me, and I would have said, 
I think a lot of stuff would have been different. The only the only reason why we dialed the panic up to 11th, the only reason why we saw this attempt at the Great Reset is because there was a guy named Donald Trump in the White House. I think that's the only reason. However, with the benefit of hindsight, and now nearly a year um, or more, depending on when you watch this, seeing the first year, let's put it that way, the first year of Joe Biden in office, I now believe that this is a much, a much grander battle than simple politics. Because um, they had several opportunities to take off ramps, meaning the spirit of the age and its chief, its chief uh, corpse, which is the Democrat Party, zombified corpse. They had multiple off, or, uh, uh, off ramps, and they chose to take none of them, which tells me that this is a much we're dealing with, with much larger forces than political ambitions and political machinations with uh, with COVID. So, I was convinced back in 2020 that things would have been a lot different for the better, actually, with Hillary Clinton. Not because I think. I, I think Hillary Clinton's a better person than Donald Trump. That's not just the political realities of it, the way that she looks at it. Uh, having seen, though, the first year of, of Joe Biden's handling handling of, of COVID, I, I now believe that no matter who was in there, they were going to get railroaded by the spirit of the age, which has been driving this the whole time. And that's why she used the mask to get herself out of it. Yep. Because this was her offering, basically. She threw Joe into the volcano. Mm -hmm. This is her offering to the spirit of the age. We will all wear your totem as a means of of getting out from underneath your thumb. We'll let you press down even further upon us, right? That that, that will express an even deeper allegiance. And so that's why in, in, in the alternative history I devised... I had her using the mask to get out from to underneath because the only thing that will satiate the spirit of the age is to is to give it even more honor and do. Yes, and it's why in your setting this up, I think you set it up in a way that you had to to make it interesting enough, give it enough tension. But I think I, I think. Do you feel as I feel that you had to cheat a little bit with this by making it close? I th- I think Ted Cruz or just about any Republican in the scenario talk about would have probably been crushed by today's standards of crushed. My only difference in that is you, there's two things working against Hillary. One is it's hard. It's rare in American history that the party that wins two straight presidential elections then turns around and wins it the third time with somebody else. Okay, Reagan Bush did it. Um, uh, FDR Truman did it, but it's it's difficult to do. Okay, uh, and and then so you've got that working against her. On top of the fact it's her, you know, she's exceedingly unlikable. Mm-hmm. So you have those two things going against her and she's running for reelect. So she already she already conquered this in the in winning the first time in 2016 in this history. Now she's got to do it again in 2020 and after a year of some of the most divisive um, policies we, we could possibly imagine, because our base in this scenario, our base radicalizes against covid much earlier, in my view, because. There's yeah. not a Republican in the White House. They don't. They, I don't think you're going to see Mark Levin interviewing Anthony Fauci 
Okay. For example, I, I, you know what what I'm trying to say? I think you're right. I I, I think that there is no, and I don't fault Mark for doing it at the time. We didn't, nobody really knew. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was like day two of the, of the, of the, of the issue. I'm just saying that that sort of deference or benefit of the doubt is never offered by somebody like Mark Levin to Hillary Clinton. You know what I mean? Yes. So I think our base and our media is radicalized much earlier against this process. Than it, than it turned out to be in 2020 with the Republican in the White House. I agree. I think a lot of it would have been done very, very badly, and it would have been <laughs> well. That's o- probably true too. Obvious for, and I think she coming out of an election against Trump that she won. But again, where both of their negatives were very, very high. Mm-hmm. I, I I think that this press that has always had. Uh, a challenging time with the Clintons because when they started off, there was enough vestiges of what you would call standard traditional journalism, mm-hmm. and they didn't like getting jacked around by the Clintons. Remember, it was it was a lefty journalist who wrote yeah. Primary Colors, yes. for example. Yeah, I, I I think I think Hillary would have been lionized to some extent. Uh, by uh, COVID, uh, you know, almost like a wartime uh, president. I think her, while she would not have been wildly successful because it's almost impossible for any president these days, I think she might have been uh, better uh, favorables than she'd had in a very long time at the end of uh, her tenure. Uh, The press uh, would have um, very much been with her at the end. The one, which leaves the one more thing, did you leave it out on purpose just because there were a lot of moving parts or or do you think because Trump lost do you think because we didn't talk about it, do you think the it still would have happened and we predicted on this show it was going to happen but do you think the radicalization of big tech would have happened uh more slowly yes in the last 4 years yes. and that's probably why you didn't bring it up and right. it wouldn't be okay i i figured as much but it, it, it didn't come up. It, it still would have been uh, worse. Obviously, you know, it was going to continue to break in the way it breaks and in favor of the things she believes. And so even though not as radical, still in her favor, I just, I don't, but I, I was also found it fascinating because I wasn't certain. I had no idea, unlike in the previous one we did at uh, What Ifs, I had no idea where you were going to come down on this with Ted specifically. So I was, I, that I was just in popcorn mode and I kind of wanted to see how you were going to manipulate that for the terms of this discussion. If this scenario is how things would have played out, we're, we recorded this again. We, who knows when you're going to get a chance to see it. It was recorded early in 2022. If this scenario is what had played out, where would the country be right now? I think we all agree there's no way they would have let Ted Cruz win by one or two points, right? Right. So they were going to steal the election if they had to. They were ballot harvest. Some You call it ballot harvesting, I call it stealing. But they were. there's no way he was going to, you have to win outside the margin of cheating, right? So there's no way he was just going to win by a couple of points. He was going to have to win by five and be told he won by two or three, right? Okay. Let's assume she successfully steals it. Where's the country right now in early 2022, if this is the scenario? Is is it any different than where it actually is? 
Well, no, not from, not from the perspective of the the wherewithal, the level of interest, the capacity to push back on that steel. What that I can't I can't imagine that being more effective. It might there might have been more zeal about that because again there was a lot a lack of zeal here about that. Even with all of the potential long-term consequences of not having election security, the number of people who did not want to be seen in any way as sticking their neck out for Trump, mm-hmm. um, and the other, but those people also exist for Ted Cruz. Uh, and I don't know. I, I I don't know under under the auspices of COVID if yes, even their hatred of Hillary would have caused them to fight ha- harder on behalf of Cruz than Donald Trump? I don't, I don't know. I think maybe the more I talk about it, I think we all know the answer to that. I don't, I don't know if we'd have any more, if were you being that specific about, do we have a, a harder fight for election integrity this time instead mm-hmm. of what really happened? I, like I said, the every, every single letter I added onto that sentence while I thought that went out, I got closer to saying it wouldn't have been any better. Aaron? I think um I think with this one and the last what if episode we did the most fascinating in character polls that I did were well it's not going to be that bad. I I just can't I enjoyed that. I can't I yes. can't really see it being mm-hmm. that bad cuz that's 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 me being honest. Mm-hmm. I I just didn't think you know it's there's Yes, it can get worse, but that's just a bridge too far. No, we're going by leaps and bounds recently, people, if if we haven't seen that, if you haven't seen that. And so when Todd talks about, and he continues to talk about, the crazy voices in your head, listen to those voices. Now, don't do what they say, <laughs> but listen to those voices, just as some reconnaissance on, what, uh, on what's actually going down. Because more often than not, not at least... The way it's been recently more often than not you'll be right and if you're wrong well at least you won't be disappointed and i was thinking there about the cheating too would 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 they have tried as hard to cheat when they were the incumbents and did they hate ted cruz as much because we've talked about how a lot how donald trump made them uniquely crazy but then I go back to thinking, and I thought you were right about Donald Trump not being that unique. It's the same cake, just a different frosting. Mm-hmm. And back when you t- you posed the question, who would be more uniquely uh, hated uh, in D.C., Donald Trump or Ted Cruz? I said, without a doubt, Ted Cruz, because he's uh, authentic in his principles, and, and Donald Trump is malleable, so now... I, I, I don't. Did Donald Trump really uniquely drive them nuts to cheat, or would it have been just as bad, including uh, big tech stuff, because of Ted Cruz? I think. I think Trump rose up a base of people that were willing to oppose them in ways and on grounds that they don't want to be opposed. See what I'm saying? Yeah, so you're talking about the stuff. That none of us, we all admitted, none of us truly embraced how ready this 
right. portion of the elector is ready for Donald Trump. Yeah. For yeah. somebody like yeah. Donald Trump. I, I think it was the visceral yeah, yeah. Uh, and the horse you rode in on. Yep. That's FU it. and FU and FU and FU. Agreed. Uh, and I think that they are are were, are are still okay. Well, they're not anymore, but we're at that time still okay with even deeply principled on issues because they just viewed like they could control the narrative. Mm -hmm. But when it becomes visceral like this, okay, and it gets personal, I think that he made them with the base he emerged, arose up with that, made them feel more threatened than ever before. I agree. All right. Hopefully you enjoyed this what if as well. Until the next time, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.